Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash hookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, to another edition of the All American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined here with my friend Will. Yes, sir. And the Professor Smoke. Hey. And today we are going to be discussing one of, well, I guess it's one of the most successful movies of all time, just period. You know, forget horror, thriller, you know, whatever label you want to slap on it. Um, we're going to be talking Jaws from 1975, and we're also just past the uh, 45th anniversary of the film so you know we figured it'd probably be a good time to talk about it and plus there's been a a, a recent uh 4k re-release of it on blu-ray right or mm-hmm. did Pick that did, one up did you uh, yeah you, you said you'd you had bought it is that what you watched this time around yeah, that's, for this? that's the one we watched this time around and it was i mean now i haven't seen any version of it other than broadcast back in the day the vhs and maybe i, I guess i saw the first dvd that came out of so I haven't seen it on regular blu-ray so i don't know what the blu-ray looks like but this 4k ultra one looked pretty amazing but as i've said before i don't we don't use that filter that gives it that, you know, true 4K soap opera effect, they call it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't turn that filter on because I just I just can't get used to that look. But just watching it without that filter on it is just, you know, it's pretty damn crystal clear. Yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray, but it was like one of the, I guess it's probably the last Blu-ray release. Because I think they've released it a handful of times. It, yeah. This being one of the most successful movies of all time. I'm sure oh, yeah. God, God Almighty knows how many uh, releases there's been, but whatever, I think like... The last Blu-ray release was before this 4K. Mm-hmm. That's the one I have, and because uh, I bought it a few years ago, and it, it was it looked really good. So I can imagine, you know, the 4K has got to look even better. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me big time was just that opening scene of like I, I you never I've never been able to see so much of that scene because it, you know it's set in the evening mm-hmm. at the at the opening whenever she goes out and yeah. swims the buoy and everything. It's just you can see so much more of that in this than I'd ever. Like I said, I didn't see the Blu-ray. I assume it's probably the same really with the Blu-ray. It's probably yeah, not it was, a yeah. terrible different amount of you know quality between the Blu-ray and the 4K unless you have all the stuff. You watch it in the 4K version filter like I was talking about, but I just can't get used to that. But, but yeah, I, it was. I saw so much more than all I'd seen before because even more so than the DVD, I think was. Uh, DVD, of course, is a step above the VHS that I was used to before that. But, but yeah, it was just uh, pretty amazing, the uh, contrast level, I guess, between that in that shot. Just the fact that it was shot at nighttime and you could see so much more it was uh you know without it even being lit or anything so I just, we'll get to it when we get to that scene just 
pretty amazing the way it was shot. Will, how did you watch it this time around? Blu-ray uh, streamed it. I think it was on uh, HBO Max. Oh, okay. I think yeah. is what it was, it was on. So it's probably a pretty good-looking version on there, too. I mean, I didn't check yeah. that one out, but I'm sure it looks fine. I think yeah. most of their stuff is, uh, you know, high def, streaming high def on there anyway. So it's probably closer to that Blu-ray cut that I watched. I actually watched this movie. I don't, this probably had to have been give or take 15 years or so ago. I watched like an original print on the big screen of this movie. Like, yeah, I think I was with you when you yeah, watched yeah, that. Yeah, like one of those like uh, traveling prints, you know, like where it's an it's an old mm-hmm. print. So it, it, I'll be honest with you, it kind of looked like shit because it was scratched all up. Like you know, oh, like, yeah. you're watching like the projector thousands of times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're wa- it was a really old print. But it was still cool to watch it on the big screen and yeah. kind of the way it was intended, you know, so to speak. So, because yeah. I think there was a theater in Charlotte somewhere that used to show like retro movies every once in a while like that, and I, and I think I saw the Goonies like that too. And I remember that one being like beat all to hell. It was all <laughs> scratched up and jumpy and stuff, but it was still cool to watch it like that. But yeah, anyways, uh, before we get into uh, some of the you know the usual background and all that that we normally do, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at allamericanspookshow at gmail dot com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show. You can find us by searching All American Spook Show on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Where, you know, we we haven't been uh, as uh, um, timely on that as as I'd like to be. You know, putting new content up and stuff. Maybe we can uh, get better about doing that. But you can find full episodes on there and other things that we've done. We also have a T Public store. You know, you can find that by searching for All American Spook Show, where we uh, sell. A few various uh, uh, T-shirts and mugs, you know, everything they'll, they'll slap the logo on and whatever else we got. We actually have a couple of newer um, T-shirt designs on there. If you remember the uh, the episode where we talked about Never Too Young to Die, I think that was earlier this year, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> we have we have we have a, a, a new design on there. It just says Stargrove, but I think I'm underselling it. How do, how would you actually say that, Will? Stargrove. <laughs> I don't think he whispered it. Stargrove. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> Um, Star yeah, oh God, there it is. You got me. <laughs> or, or would it be Sarah? <laughs> there, that's more like it. That's uh, more. That's more genius. I think it's only said uh, roughly about a hundred times in the movie, all kind of different ways. What is? <laughs> <laughs> star Star. Uh, and I, I can't remember. I put star, up a star, 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 grow, grow, grow. Oh, I think we put up a junk hole. Did we not put that one up too? <laughs> I think, oh I think yes. That's a, uh, <laughs> can't forget the junk hole. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a. Uh, <laughs> That was one, too, and that was a reference from last, or back in uh, uh, 2019, we did Good Lord. Now I'm blanking on our, re- our own references. Street Trash. Street Trash, yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have to go back and listen to the episode. I, uh, I think it was episode 7 or 8, something like that. Uh, right off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But I think it was episode 7. But go back and li- uh, listen to that episode, and then you'll get the uh, the old junk hole reference there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a uh, couple, couple different shirts there, plus our old logo. Our newer logo, so you know, a couple. There's a handful of options there for you. So go on T Public and check those out. So I guess uh, without you know, before we get into uh, Jaws itself, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Steven Spielberg's. I guess this is what a second or third feature film, something like that. Um, but definitely the probably the biggest one that put him on the map from 1975. Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. 
This is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel, Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. are dealing with here is a perfect engine uh an eating machine we're not only gonna have to close the beach we're gonna have to hire somebody to kill the shark bad fish but i'll catch him and kill him did you hear your father out of the water now this shark swallow you whole ah! you're gonna need a bigger boat that's a 20 footer 25 three tons on him fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws. See it before you go swimming. And there you have it. That's the trailer for Jaws. So, Will, what were your initial reactions? Obviously, this isn't the first time you've seen Jaws. Take us back, you know, maybe like to the first time you watched it years ago and, and just, you know, your feelings on the movie. Oh, man. I mean, you know, this is one of those movies that I think literally everyone has watched. I don't know that I could remember the first time I watched it. I'm sure it was probably a similar reaction as far as people of the time of, I don't think I want to get back in the water anytime soon. <laughs> You know, I don't know if it ever really had that effect on me. You know, where I was just like, nah, I don't know if I want to go get in the ocean now because of Jaws, you know. But I could see where some people, or a lot of people, would feel that way. I could definitely see it. <laughs> it definitely made me to where I wouldn't, uh, at the time, shortly after seeing it, didn't go too far out, though. <laughs> Without yeah. thinking about it, you know, in the ocean. Yeah, I guess... Uh, like work, uh, getting up here to about past my waist, I'm like, mm, just get, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Would... <laughs> I think this is as far as I'm going to go out right now. <laughs> I don't know, would uh, Richard Dreyfus approve of me going this deep? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what about you, Smoke? When, I mean, do you have any recollection, recollections of when you first saw this or uh, your initial reactions to it and all that? Yeah, I do, actually, which is, uh, <laughs> it was a weird, 
mean, it was 1978, I guess, maybe. Uh, and the only reason I know that is because of uh, where I was at the time when I remember before I watched it, I was uh, doing something. I was, I was probably five, I was five years old in 78. I remember my dad coming into the room or whatever and saying, hey, you know, there's something, you know, this movie's coming on tonight, and I think you're going to watch it. It's Monster with the, the Teeth. And I'm like, Dracula? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, not that Monster with the Teeth. The Jaws, and that was, and I mean, I'd already known about it, or probably seen, you know, previews, commercials. You hear about it as a kid. So it was on the TV movie of the week or whatever it was, I guess. It's roughly 1978, I guess. You know, watched it with rapt attention for a kid, you know, and, and which was pretty, pretty amazing, I guess, considering the movie is like two hours long. And, you know, if you watch it from the beginning in, there's not like it's fully action packed. I mean, there's a lot of drama and a lot of stuff going on, but, but it held my attention as a five-year-old all the way from beginning to end. So, oh. And on TV with all the commercials making it, what, three hours long probably or something. So, uh, that was how I first saw it. And uh, yeah, it did kind of affect me a little bit, like I said, when I was, I mean, I was five. So it did make me think, uh, you know, the next time I went to the beach, I definitely had that in the back of my head. Myself, I, I don't really recall, like, I'm kind of like, Will, I don't recall like sitting down the first time I ever saw it. I'm sure it had to have been, you know, not too uh, unsimilar from what you just said, Smoke, like probably on, you know, broadcast TV where it's edited a little bit and yeah. with commercials and all that. God knows how many times I've seen it since then. I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen this movie a dozen times. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but this... Wait, we're talking about the, the character Jaws, right? From the James Bond movies. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, yeah. what the hell? Oh, okay. I Why would we sure talk we about that stupid one. shark movie? <laughs> make sure we all saw the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is funny, too, like what, what you were talking about, like, you know, a five-year-old watching it. I didn't really look up much background, but it probably goes back to what uh, Smoke, you and I were talking about a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the film rating history and everything. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this yeah. movie is only rated PG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It ha I don't know. I haven't done the research on that part of it, but it, it, it I would assume that it would have to be the most, I guess, violent or whatever you want to call it, PG movie up to that point. I, I don't know what else could have beat it out. It, it might still be the most violent PG movie ever released, <laughs> right? I mean, good yeah, I just, could you think of something yeah. off the top of your head that would be well, so underrated? The only one I could think of off the top of my head would be another Spielberg movie would be Temple of Doom. And yeah. And we talked about just that. Just for some of the certain scenes. And we, yeah, we talked about that on yeah. that rating show. But it wasn't necessarily prolonged. as I mean, not that it's prolonged in Jaws, but it's spread out. Whereas, you know, in Temple of Doom, you, know, you got the heart ripping scene and the snake eating scene and the monkey brain scene. And really, that's about it. So, and it's all a lot of that's consolidated in that certain scene, you know, the eating scene or whatever. And then you got the heart scene. And Jaws, yeah, spread out. I mean, it might, it might be Temple of Doom overall, I think. I think so. That yeah. Level of time. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, you could question it go back and forth but i i would think so yeah Before, i mean just for the amount of things you know like i said spread out with the yeah, yeah. the very scenes from the beginning to the end all the different shark attack scenes and especially the ending shark attack scene you know i'm looking at a, a list of movies that are uh, pg mommy dearest raiders poltergeist like that yeah. one really jumps out at me because it's got yeah, uh, yeah. a person ripping their face off <laughs> yeah you yeah, mean that, that you mean just below, think, uh, you, you mean this is like a list of say like underrated PG movies like like why the hell is this rated PG it should be higher <laughs> yeah. is that okay yeah, okay yeah, yeah. now when, before we continue I, I, I should add since th this is Jaws we're, we're talking about and this is one of the most popular movies of all time like we said there might be some new listeners to the show so I'm gonna add before we go any further we are a spoiler filled podcast um, we're gonna spoil the shit out of the movie so if if you're one of those three people left. You know, like one of those random people you run into that hasn't watched Star Wars. If you're one of those kind of people that, like, I'm too afraid of it and I haven't watched Jaws, then stop. <laughs> stop. Pause. Go ahead and pause this right now. Go, uh, I would say go to Blockbuster, but fuck, you can't. Go somewhere and go rent or <laughs> find a way In to the watch. Year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> find a way to watch Jaws and then come back and listen to this because we are going to spoil the hell out of it. Just fair warning from, from this point forward. But continue. Yeah, go ahead with the uh, list of. 
underrated PG. Uh, Gremlins, Temple of Doom. Oh, uh, before we go any further, too, what, what's the one common denominator that all those movies have in common? <laughs> Some of those you just list off Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Spielberg is probably the only one I can think of, other than Martin Scorsese, that could get it well. Scorsese never really messed around with PG. Well, he didn't, but yeah. <laughs> probably the only director I can think of that would get away with as much as he was able to get away with just because, of, and I think it's really, it had to do with that new Spielberg. And it's because of Jaws. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, like, he didn't get this popular because of Duel, all right? <laughs> no, uh, no. That's a great movie, but no. <laughs> it is, yes. But no, def- definitely. More PG it. movies. Uh, how about Back to the Future? Like, not, not gory, but. It's got a, a son oh, yeah. lusting after his mom. Yeah, adult and, and situations some, or whatever. Yeah, yeah adult and language. There's some language <laughs> yeah. in there. That, mm-hmm. no, but, you uh, know, Beale. going back, go, before you, once again, before you continue, going back to a couple episodes ago when we talked about the history of film ratings, Smoke, didn't you say Temple of Doom was the one that kind of set off the, uh, we need to have, because it used to be G, P, G, and then R, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yep. And then, t- and but then basically yeah. because of Temple of Doom, they added PG-13. Right. And Gremlins. I think Gremlins, Gremlins and Temple of Doom came out about the same time. Yeah, so like, and, uh, yeah. Cl- this is clearly, what, 10 to 12 years earlier than they would have e- even thought of PG-13. So Yeah, so that's, it was actually that's, Spielberg, I believe, himself that, that recommended it to the MPAA that there needed to be something between the R and the PG. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah, that's, Big. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's tough. Beetlejuice <laughs> is tough. That's only yeah. PG? Uh, according to this. <laughs> wow, and that's, e- that's even uh, after PG-13 was a thing, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I yep. mean, when he grabs his crotch and says, nice fucking model, I mean, <laughs> shouldn't that be enough? You know? <laughs> yeah, you'd think that would have been, I mean, especially considering that there was already PG-13 writing there. Yeah. yeah. I guess they allowed one fuck, I guess. Well, yeah, that, there's <laughs> yeah, that whole fuck. thing. And once again, we talked about that, the old one fuck given rule. Yeah. <laughs> Used to be zero uh, fuck, but now yeah, but they allow one. Yeah, one fuck given. <laughs> Big with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Once again, sexual, yeah. sexual situations, right? Yeah, and technically, I guess... Kind of, he's a kid. Yeah, that's what makes uh, it even worse. I think, I think that that's some of that. I believe is uh, what do you call it? just eras, different eras. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's allowable, or what's, I guess, morally allowable in those types of movies at the time? Violence, of course, has always been something they kind of try to keep to a minimum, other than unless you're Spiel, like I said, unless you're Spielberg. <laughs> uh, same year, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's year one after that. Dead Poet Society. That Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one that, like, a, a few years ago, my son now currently is nine years old, but, like, when he was, I want to say, five or six, I'm like, hey, man, this will be cool. Let's watch Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and then I quickly, like, we're not going to watch Roger Rabbit. Because <laughs> I, I forgot about some of that. You go to bed, son. Yeah. I forgot about some of that stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I could, you know, you well, could probably. You remember uh, Six Pack with Kenny Rogers and the kids and the race, tra- race cars and stuff, you know? Remember all that? I <laughs> said, like, sailors. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hilarious. You know, you laugh at it as kids. You know, some of that stuff, I don't think. I mean, if there was a PG-13 rating, that would have been another one that would got it for language. Yeah. But, you know, we focused, when we were talking about all this smoke, we focused so much on the ones that were kind of on the fence to a rated R. I mean, th- th- there's definitely oh, yeah. that. This is definitely that gray area. All these movies. Yeah. I think it depends. I guess it depended on who was, you know, because MTAA is kind of what made up of different people that watch these movies and dole out the the ratings or whatever they decide that, you know, though they, of course they don't tell the filmmaker that you can, you have to cut this, you have to cut that. Cause that would be censorship. They just say that, you know, we can't release it with this rating at the time. So you'll have to take it and do whatever, we, whatever your judgment is to, you know, to resubmit it to what you think would make a PG or whatever. So, it's uh, almost as if money influences things. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, definitely back then. I know for sure. What do you mean back then? about that on that rating show. There's a double standard at that time against uh, what you call your mainstream 
horror horror type movies like Jaws versus what was that 1975? Uh, I mean, maybe not 1975 so much, but give it a little bit more, a few more years when Friday the 13th came out, and then the slew of slasher movies kind of following in its wake and Halloween's wake. Well, all these things. There was definitely, you know, some backlash against those movies, and a lot of that gore got cut out of those sequels to Friday the 13th and Halloween and whatnot. Well, all these things we're talking about are totally mo- money-motivated, obviously. I mean, because, oh, yeah. like, now yeah. you got, like, let's just say, for instance, wasn't it Expendables 3 was rated PG-13 when the first two movies that were very successful were rated R? And then, yeah. I guess, as a cash grab, they're like, hey, let's make it PG-13. And then it yeah, and then yeah. it completely fucking flopped because they got away from what was you know the winning formula, yeah. right? Yeah, there, yeah. There's that there's that edge. You got to walk a fine line, and they're like Deadpool. You know, Deadpool. What, what if you gutted Deadpool and made it PG from the get go? I know they had the uh, that PG thirteen cut of the last and right, which I which yeah, is funny yeah. itself, but <laughs> which I, mean, I never watched. But, they, but yeah, I'm sure, it's hilarious. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet either. But I've heard it was <laughs> it was good anyway. You know? But if they had done well, that out the gate, you know, I think they would have lost some of that base of seeing that oh, first yeah, Deadpool yeah. movie if they'd said, oh no, it's going to be PG thirteen, not R. Well, apparently the way this this got PG uh, was uh, Richard Zanuck went to the meeting with the MPA and made a point of the ratings governing sex, language, and violence. He reasoned that there was no sex in the film, only a couple a couple of minor bad words, and no violence. He also pointed out that in, in this case, it was a, a natural predator attacking its prey, and nature couldn't be deemed violent. No violence, my ass. Wow, that that was a, he, that he swindled them, right? <laughs> he sold them a bill of goods, buddy. <laughs> that was good. Thank goodness he did, because otherwise, if it had been gutted anymore, it would, or if, you know, if they would have released it as an R rating, it certainly wouldn't have made the box office that it made at the time. You know, no, uh, not seeing not but, seeing a girl like in the first five minutes of the movie, seeing a girl thrashed about. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, you don't see any blood, but you know a shark yeah. has a hold of her and is like carrying her around like a. Uh, you know, like a rag doll. Yeah. Then later on, you see a dude get his fucking scene, leg. Later on, you do see the blood. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that pretty good guys are full of it too. Yeah, later on, you <laughs> see that guy get his fucking leg bit off. Obviously, he gets That's killed. Really I assume. Falls yeah. to the ocean then it falls yeah. to the floor, and then eventually, you see, you know, once again, spoiler, Quint. I mean, yeah. it's fucking brutal. <laughs> no, yeah, violence. that's the most brutal. What I think is that 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 scene with Quint. Of course, you can't like cut that any because that's so much drama in that scene as it is. That you would either have had to go on with the R rating. Or like that guy did, go in there and swindle. <laughs> well, like, yeah. well, we we talked about that too, right? I mean, like, since we're we're on this tangent as we are at this minute about how some, uh, uh, I guess, directors or producers or whatever have been known throughout time to like show a version of the movie to the mm-hmm. MPAA and then and then switch it up on the one that's actually released. It yeah, has, that it has I know happened. For a fact, that happened with Lloyd Kaufman, right? I forget which movie it was right now. I'm thinking of, but it was a well, one. Not, I don't even think it was a trauma movie. It's one of the ones he picked up for release and put out there and or sent it to the MPAA they said no there's no way it's going to get so they cut some stuff out sent it back they said okay get an R rating now so they put the stuff back in and then released that, uh, that yeah that was the, the, uh, the, the one that uh, uh, Joe Bob did uh, earlier this this past season on uh, Sucking Freaks is that the one yeah yeah I think that was the one yeah I think that was I think yeah, it was yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure that was the one where like they did the old bait and switch yeah. like <laughs> yeah. oh we didn't know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's ingenious actually. yeah well, didn't they get sued for it or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah that probably yeah. didn't work out for them financially. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like a big fuck you to the MPAA. That was well, yeah, it's a, <laughs> like, it's, okay, a wonderful, it's a wonderful fuck you if you can take the hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I guess they could at the time. Which I mean, they weren't, you know, it was blood second feet, so they weren't really probably risking too much. Yeah, and it had already been out <laughs> a long time, I think, right? Like, it, wasn't that like a drive-in type of flick that, that, that he got it later on, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't it, it yeah. exist and then he bought it? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, it might have 
changed it to blood sucking fetus. I think it was called yeah, something else. It's called uh, something else. Incredible yeah. torture show, I believe, yeah, something like that. Probably called fucked up is what it was called. <laughs> it should just be called like you want to watch something <laughs> fucked up. Check this out. The movie. Yeah, I think that was called Faces of Death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, true. Now this is <laughs> this is a little different. I don't know, man. It's pretty weird. That's all I'll say. <laughs> is that blood sucking freak? Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, just thinking. I'm just well, thinking you know, in comparison. That's not like a personal. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just like in a... talking about in comparison to say something like Faces of Death. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. One of these days we'll go down that road, but that's a, that's yeah. a whole other. Because, I mean, Faces of Death, you know, that was when I was in high well, I guess it was before high school. It was sort of an initiation rite. Like, when you go to the video store, you get, like, when you, when you were able to tell these your other peers, kids, like, I saw Faces of Death, that was like, a, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a big thing. And well, even remember, though, you know, a lot of that, and we'll, well, if we do get that movie, and a lot of it was, wasn't real anyway. A lot of it was staged to make it look real. But just the fact that it was like, you know, when you're a kid and you're watching this thing, this, you know, taboo it, thing, you, you think it's real. Especially on VHS when you see it, you know, it's kind of harder to pick out the parts that might have been faked or whatever. I don't recall the name of it at the time, but this was sometime in the mid to late 90s. Something similar to it came out, and it was legit. Like, it was fucked up. Like, you know, you're, it's like a, yeah. a politician standing up in front of people and shooting themselves in the head oh, yeah. footage. Yeah, that's and, uh, Bud Dwyer, that, that guy. That yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And other things, like, you know, this is 100% legit, you know, not staged yeah. at all. I don't remember yeah. the name of it. Maybe it was like too shocking for tv video or some shit i don't know but i remember watching that one and like swore it off after that i'm like well i'm i'm out yeah i'm, I'm not watching <laughs> yeah, this shit a anymore point where it's like you kind of challenge yourself for a little while but yeah <laughs> i mean that's your i, I yeah we thought i don't know if we talked about that before and like i love horror and we all as we all do and gore and give you a little splattery and that's cool when it's you know when you know it's like effects and everything but once you get starting to get into the real stuff, then you're kind of—it's more like you're just shocking yourself for the fact of shocking yourself and desensitizing yourself and everything. It's—it's it's a lot totally different to me than, than splatter. Like I can watch the most goriest splatter effects and think, "Wow, that's really fucked up." But you know, it's—you know—it's not real. Even those kind of movies, are like I don't know, man. <laughs> Do I really want to go there? <laughs> I'm scarred enough. <laughs> so a completely different topic uh, to to kind of get off the faces of death thing for a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How we go from Jaws to that, you know, I guess. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's no violence in Jaws. Anyways, uh, so uh, in reference to... Faces of Death was PG-13, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, no it, was, it was PG. That was before PG-13. Oh, that was just PG. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was one of the movies that was like... It was a hard G is what it was. Yeah, hard G. <laughs> That's the, how did you know that was the name of my rap, uh, my rap rock group? Hard G. Hard G. <laughs> So, uh, referencing back to the last episode, we just did Dr. Sleep. Um, it wasn't too long after uh, we released the uh, episode that uh, I, there was a quote from uh, Mike Flanagan, apparently, that where he was talking about Stephen King. actually thought one scene in Dr. Sleep was too brutal and wanted it taken. Or, I guess he wasn't necessarily saying take it out, but like even he was kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe you should uh, dial this down or cut it out. Uh, and it turns out it was the scene where, uh, you know, they're killing the baseball player, old number 19. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the kid's name in the movie, but, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially in that director's cut, which was a little longer, and it was pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Here's the, uh, the the quote from Mike Flanagan, who was the director, and he uh, explained King's take on the scene. It says, uh, it was one of the only times he leaned over to me during the movie was when uh, Jacob Trimley got killed. That's the kid's name. There you go. Uh, he leaned over, and he was like, that's a little brutal, isn't it? I was like, shit, I got to go back. I got to go back and edit this. I got to pull stuff out. And we did. We changed it. We backed off. 
I think when he saw it, we cut to Jacob two additional times. So there were two more stabs, basically, and we took those out. So I don't know if he's referencing, like, we took those out and then added them back in for the director's cut, yeah, or, yeah, uh, you know, there was two more that we cut out and didn't even put back in the director's cut. I'm not sure. But, yeah, <laughs> either way, when you sit there and watch the director's cut, you're like, God almighty. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty bad. Cause it's he's pretty like, intense. Yeah, he's like a 12-year-old boy, like, hitting, getting stabbed yeah. and bludgeoned. So they can uh, 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 suck on his soul or whatever the hell, you know. So <laughs> it's pretty rough. But, yeah, I just thought that that was uh, interesting and it's something to bring up that uh, even Stephen King was like, I don't know, man. Yeah. And, I mean, and if you read Stephen King books, you know that that's not something to really <laughs> – that you really think. I mean, he, he doesn't hold back on some of his scenes in the books. No. Some of the stuff in the books you really wouldn't even be able to shoot in, in a movie anyway. Well, you so, read – yeah, for him to – <laughs> Will, you read Dr. Sleep. Do you remember that part in particular being, like, fucked up? Or? No, I mean, you know, they, they talk about it, but I, I don't remember. I think it's more the, the visual of seeing a child. Yeah. Yeah. And just having it linger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, it's not it, like Like I said, even if it did. was described in the book that way, it would still, I think, seeing, like you said, the visual of it is way more intense for that type of thing than reading it in the book. Mm-hmm. You could read it that, yeah, okay, they did all this stuff to him and everything, but until you see it on the screen, then I, I definitely see where that intensity would be ramped up. But yeah, I thought that was an uh, interesting little side note to bring up before we uh, got any deeper into Jaws here. Um, all right, so the background on Jaws, and, and there's plenty of it. I mean, we could probably we could probably talk for two or three hours just on the background of the movie and never really get into the ins and outs <laughs> of the movie itself. Tons of stuff. Um, but, you know, we'll hit some of the high notes, and I'm sure we've all got a few things that we found out that the other one didn't. I guess before I get into the background of this, though, there was one thing. So you remember there's the one scene in uh, the movie where uh, Chief Brody is kind of, like, on edge, you know, because he think you know, the, they know there's a shark. There's already been a shark attack, so he's on edge, and they're on the beach there with his family. Mm-hmm. And then every little yeah. thing keeps happening, and he thinks it's a, a shark. Yeah. And then as it turns out, it's yeah. like little kids with a fin on their head or whatever the fuck, you know, fucking around. Um, which I'd go out there yep. and beat those kids half to death if that were me. <laughs> but I guess the Coast Guard rolling up and uh, pointing the guns at them scared the shit out of them enough. <laughs> yeah. But right there, there's one scene or one part of that where like an old man wearing a wearing a uh, uh, swimming cap like jumps out of the water and then he comes yeah. up and talks to Brody. Yeah, and, he, yeah, and he comes up and spits water out of his mouth. And yeah, yeah, and he yeah, realizes yeah. The, guy, the cap, the old guy. <laughs> and then and then, but when he comes up and talks to Brody, and then uh, Brody just kind of stares at him. He said, "And that's one bad hat, Harry." And then he just kind of gets up and walks away. Well, apparently Brian yeah. S- Brian Singer's uh, the director, his production company is called Bad Hat Harry, and that's where it comes from. Oh, Bad Bad Hat Harry Productions is a, a kind of his little nod to Spielberg from that particular scene right there. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, Brian Singer he uh, is the guy that went on to do all the pretty much all the X Men movies, or at least you know most of them, if not all, or at least had a hand and in them. As most important. Most important to being grip number three in Street Trash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, that's what he'll be known for on the uh, Spook Show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once again, another connection to Street Trash. All right, so Jaws was released June 20th, 1975 by Zanuck Brown Company, which I believe those were the two uh, producers of the movie, and Universal Pictures. So this is, uh, you know, and distributed by Universal as well. So the total runtime for this movie is two hours and four minutes. It is rated PG, like we just talked about for the last 15 minutes. It is listed on IMDb as an adventure slash thriller, which I get. You know, there's not really, there's not, there are some small horror aspects to it, right? But it's, it probably leans more thriller than it does horror, right? You would think, you know, if you're going to put a label on it. That's true. I mean, I always thought of it, I guess, as a kid as a horror movie, just because, you know, 
you see as a kid you see the shark as, as the monster you know not necessarily just the force of nature but growing up with it we always always thought of it as a horror movie but yeah i definitely would see where it's more of a thrill you know adventure thriller yeah i mean i always like i always thought it was weird too like whenever you'd see someone put up hey here's my top 10 list of horror movies and then this mm-hmm. one would be like very high like you know number one number two number three <laughs> and i always be like man it's kind of cheating in a way like <laughs> i I just never thought of it that way. Like, yeah, it's scary, but I don't put it in the same category as I would say, you know, Freddy Krueger or uh, Michael Myers. But I could see. Yeah, I definitely don't. I I saw it as horror as a kid, but I I definitely don't include it on horror list. What I'm making them now is like my favorite horror movies. Like when we did our top 13 horror movies. Yeah. I didn't include it on there because yeah, as I got older and everything, I didn't necessarily see it as horror the way I did as when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I don't think any of us put it on there. Now I'm looking at the list right now. I have it in front of me. No, none of us did. So like. Yeah. So we now, if I was making a top films of all time, it would definitely be up in there. Yes. So the budget for Jaws was nine million dollars, which you know is nothing these days, and uh, obviously you know pretty big for back then. At opening weekend of June twentieth, nineteen seventy-five, it made just over seven million dollars, and which I'm sure was probably pretty big, you know, for the time. You know, not a, not not like a record amount or anything like that. But this thing was out wide for twenty-eight weeks. And I'm sure probably played even longer in some places, just knowing how that you know things worked back then. And I'm sure some drive-in oh, yeah. or something, you know, some random theater played it forever. But it ended up, I guess, kind of you know, as we speak here in 2020, the U.S. domestic was 260 million dollars. Internationally, it made 211.2 million dollars. So the worldwide gross ended up being 471.2 million <laughs> on a budget of nine million. And this is 1975 money we're talking about here. This isn't in, yeah. uh, adjusted <laughs> yeah. for inflation, so I'm sure. Uh, by the way, I, I saw an adjusted for inflation uh, price on profits uh-huh. on that. Any, any guesses from y'all? It had to be at it. It had to be close to a billion, right? You would. Yeah, think. I would say so. I would say it'd be pushing a billion. Uh, according to what I saw, uh, it was well over a billion. Yeah, it was. I believe what I saw, 2.2 billion dollars. Yeah. So essentially, think of uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, biggest movies of all time ranked here. Yeah, those adjusted. We, we talked about that before too. At one point or another, those adjusted for inflation prices. I think I, I think I've seen before, like Gone with the Wind, would be like one of the top because you know they were only paying like a dime a ticket. You know. <laughs> so if you, if you just yeah, wait, yeah you really can't do a fair adjust. I mean, you can't really do a fair assessment <laughs> based on the original prices of movies. Were. I would think you'd have to base it on. To me, you would have to base it on tickets sold. And not how much it made, right? You know, yeah, because yeah. if you're going by tickets sold, and there's a, and there's a somewhat accurate count on that, then you do tickets sold adjusted for inflation, and that's what it would be. That's you know yeah. kind of in the rankings, right? I mean, because that's the only way you could compare Avengers Endgame to Gone with the Wind or Ben Hur or yeah. Jaws or anything like that, because like I said, they were only paying a nickel a ticket or a dime a ticket, you yeah. know, back in the day. So uh, those things are interesting to me. But all right, yeah. all right, I just pulled something up. Uh, Gone with the Wind, according to this, would have made four hundred. Well, no, it made four hundred million. Yeah. Adjusted box office would have been three point four to three point eight billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, damn. Like I said, think <laughs> about that, dude. I mean, I don't know what the average ticket price was in uh in you know whenever that whatever year that came out, but think about that. Like you know they were probably <laughs> they couldn't have been paying any more than a quarter a ticket, right? Back then. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way they were paying over a quarter a ticket back then, so. You know, if you just think of the way inflation works and everything, my God, that's crazy. Uh, um, I do kind of find this surprising. Uh, number two was Titanic. Well, I know uh, for made, a, I know for the, a fact the that, that movie played for five years. It made, so yeah, it, it it made two point one billion dollars, almost two point two. 
But if you adjusted it to uh, more current, uh, it would be 3.2 to 3.4. Jeez. Hmm. And now they're just sitting there crying like, why didn't why didn't we release this in 2020 instead of, well, I don't know about these days. How about 2019? Uh, <laughs> why didn't we release this in 2019? We were going to sit on this thing until 2020. That was our, oh, yeah. Man, big money, summer 2020. You just wait. Our I'm capped sh- out. like <laughs> Our ship has come in, and then it sinks like the Titanic. Yeah. You mean there's only like 300 drive-in theaters open in the entire world? Shit. <laughs> so, of course, this movie was a massive fucking success, to say the least. And it's, it ended up spawning three sequels. Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, which is it's funny that, like, for whatever reason, the third movie, like Halloween 3, that has nothing to do with the other movies, wasn't Jaws yeah. 3D like that? Like, <laughs> had nothing to do with the, what happened previous? And then Jaws... Well, it, had, uh, it was in 3D, and I saw that in 3D in the theaters, too, and it was... <laughs> I'm sure. It was the old red and blue lenses. And, but yeah. it was still cool, though. I mean, at the time. I mean, now, if I saw it, I'd be, you know, it probably wouldn't be as cool. Well, that's like the, the red and blue lenses. Yeah, that's like the old, uh, the, the old goofy days of 3D where, like, hey, check out this yeah. yo-yo I just bought. And then it yeah, yeah. you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I do remember the scene of Jaws exploding at the end of part of three and three D was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that was still cool. <laughs> I and think there was that... a scene at the beginning, I think, where the first guy gets killed by the shark, where he's down there uh, messing with a gate with the thing that's supposed to keep out things from getting in it because it was shot in SeaWorld. I don't know if they called it SeaWorld in the movie. I don't think but they it was did. in Orlando at SeaWorld. And he was down there messing with the gate or something that was supposed to keep sharks and predators and things from getting into the enclosures or whatever. And then he get, he gets killed, and I think his hand floats right into your face. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It's a little gimmicky, but it's still pretty cool. Well, that's the way 3D worked back then. Yeah. They just throw, hey, catch this ball, and then they throw it toward the camera, you know. Whoa! Yeah. You know, I think I remember a Super Bowl where there was supposed to be like three minutes of 3D. Yeah. And it was literally like a background with like pictures on it of uh, uh, like 8-bit sunglasses and 8-bit drinks. Yeah. And like, that's all it was. And the, and, and the Noid from, uh, was it Domino's or Pizza Hut dancing around? With? And then the fourth movie was called Jaws the Revenge. Now, that was like kind of the return to the original story, you know, from Jaws 1 and 2. If you ever one. wanted to hear what Jaws sounded like when he roars like a dinosaur, then you got to watch part four. There's a scene yeah. where he actually comes up out the water and, and roars audibly. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because uh, in, the, in the first, in this movie, you know, the first Jaws, the noise mm-hmm. that, uh, the, that, that explosion, the noise of uh, when you know the shark is blown up. Yeah. Um, Spielberg took the uh, track from Duel when the truck blew up and like mixed it in with the uh, explosion of the uh, of Jaws. So that's ah. your that's another Duel Jaws connection there. Nice. <laughs> By the way, I think Myth MythBusters went through and like you know started disproving and proving some of the stuff. And one of the things they disproved was uh, that, that if you shot a uh, air tank like that, it wouldn't. Well, yeah, I mean, because that thing blows it to fucking kingdom come, too, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Smile, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) His face would have been really red if he'd missed it. (laughs) Well, he did miss it like three or four times before. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It wasn't wasn't until he cussed at it that he actually hit it. Nope, nope, almost. Smile, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you still. Well, well he actually doesn't. Close to that time. Yeah, he actually doesn't say uh, bitch, right? Like, I think they cut it right before he's like, smile, you son of a You know. Beef but, joke. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still cool, though, you know, like the end of that movie, how, like, you know, like, you're, you're totally wanting to fucking, like, destroy this damn thing, you know, this, this fucking monster. And then he finally, like, aims and shoots it and then it blows up you know it's, it's very satisfying right like i remember yeah. that even as a kid like yeah like, you uh, got that motherfucker you know 
<laughs> but this movie is based on a novel of the same name by Peter Benchley, who also did the uh, screenplay uh, with the help of Carl Gottlieb. Now, Peter Benchley, he wrote a number of novels, wrote some uh, screenplays and stuff for, uh, you know, different movies and, and television and stuff. Um, but other than Jaws, I mean, obviously Jaws is his biggest work, and I'm sure that'd be the only, really the main thing you'd know him from. But he actually wrote The Deep and The Island. You know, both were uh, movies that came out what, in, sometime in the 80s, and I think were, you know, fairly successful as cult hits at least, you know, years later. Um, but Peter Benchley uh, passed away in on February 11th, 2006, at the age of 65. Um, I can't remember exactly what happened to him, but yeah, still kind of young for... You know, a guy like that. But he's actually, you actually see Peter Benchley uh, in Jaws briefly uh, when that there's a guy like standing on the beach doing a news report. Yeah, the news reporter. <laughs> yeah, that's Peter Benchley. And uh, he also worked on this with Carl Gottlieb, who was mostly known for uh, comedy. Like, Carl Gottlieb is mostly just a comedy dude. And uh, he actually has been in a number of movies as an actor as well. But uh, he would most, other than this, he, and and uh, I think Bench, Benchley and Gottlieb both worked on all the other sequels as well, at least in some small capacity. But also Gottlieb will be known for doing working on The Jerk and Caveman, both comedies, obviously, but uh, especially The Jerk, definitely successful. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was Caveman was a personal favorite of mine as a kid <laughs> on HBO. <laughs> and it wasn't until I'm looking at like, uh, what is Carl? What has Carl Gottlieb done? You know, I'm kind of looking in on him that uh, I see The Jerk too. And then I then I remembered, oh shit, that's a thing. I completely forgot that they made another jerk movie. <laughs> I don't even think I saw the second jerk movie. It was like yeah, it was either. like it was a made for TV movie, and it sucked. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, I guess he really. Without Steve Martin, yeah. right? Imagine <laughs> that. No, no, I don't think anybody. Yeah. That's, I don't think anyone that was associated with the first one, other than Carl Gottlieb, uh, probably Steve Gutenberg. Now, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name, but like they got a completely new guy to play, you know, the Steve Martin role, Navin Johnson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was not good. I don't even know if that's available anywhere. And I'm sure I saw it like on, you know, local TV, you know, years ago. Uh, but I have seen it and I remember like, man, this is horrible. And then you, you just want, you watch that and then you just want to go watch the jerk, you know, <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> kind of things. get the bad taste out of your mouth. Yeah. Ugh, let me go watch something good. Ah, paint drying. This is much better. So, and obviously, uh, it, the movie was directed by Steven Spielberg. I mean, do you really need to go down, um, this dude's filmography? <laughs> yes. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> the entire thing from getting in. Look, here we go. <laughs> I'll just go on uh, the top the top ones on IMDb that he would be known for: Schindler's List, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Saving Private Ryan, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Animaniacs, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. What has this dude not had his his finger in? I mean, like one of the most successful directors and producers of all of film history and even if he didn't directly direct it you know he was uh behind the scenes as a producer or something. Too, yeah. yeah good lord i mean you could just go down the list just tons of uh tons of things since the 70s if you want success you attach his name to it pretty much ready player one <laughs> there you go <laughs> um all right i didn't i didn't know who he was so i looked it up and he did uh american tale uh five goes west so now i'm i'm Oh, very familiar you know, with his work. Yes, oh, okay. <laughs> everyone has their own level of yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> you know where they, they can enter. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mine was Animaniacs. So this movie stars Roy Scheider as Chief Brody. Let's face it, this is probably the only thing you would really know Roy Scheider from, right? Like, I mean, he's been. I'm not saying he hasn't been in tons of other stuff, and he was a successful actor, but like Jaws is his 
crowning achievement, I would imagine. On IMDb, it says he's known for Jaws, All That Jazz, The French Connection, and Blue Thunder. Unfortunately, once again, Roy Scheider passed away in February of 2008, and he was age 75. So he, he definitely had a, a good long career, I mean, that spanned... Uh, decades. I mean, he started back in the uh, in the fifties, you know, and, and worked pretty much all the way up to, to his death. No, I believe I read that. Uh, I think Charlton Heston was up for that spot. Mm. I wouldn't doubt it, especially in nineteen seventy five. I mean, Charlton Heston was probably one of the biggest actors on the planet. Yeah, and uh, I think Spielberg like backed out of that because uh, I, you know Heston was you know in a ton of movies and he was always like the save the day hero. So he felt like like that would be too big of a star to put in that yeah. role. It's like casting John Wayne or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna die. They had to say a few lines, you know, something like "Get your fins off me, you damn dirty shark." You damn dirty jaws. <laughs> That's why you have to hesitate when you're talking about this movie too, of calling the shark Jaws, right? <laughs> it's oh, yeah, not like yeah, they yeah. actually named the fucking well, shark Jaws. You already know what his real name was, right? Or oh, not his real name, but it's on set name. <laughs> well, well, which one? Because there were two. There's a, yeah, there's two. The well, there was Bruce, but my favorite was. Go ahead, Will. I, <laughs> the great white turd <laughs> oh actually there was three actually then okay <laughs> that fat bitch that's that's the one i heard <laughs> that's what you're well, no, no, no. another one then no no, no i didn't I hear was, uh, that son of a bitching bastard rig <laughs> meaning the rig that they used to operate the <laughs> bruce <laughs> definitely for the time you know them doing this you know in 74 to 75 mm. and uh looking back on it now man that's an impressive fucking feat of uh movie making that oh, yeah. shark man yeah. i mean like well it is but uh like like going back and like reading some of this stuff like i, I saw one thing saying like if they would have went back and reread the book one more time they probably would have never made the movie you know because everything's on the water and nobody had made a movie like this on the water before yeah <laughs> and then it worked so well years later for water world <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was another thing that i read too you know just that apparently uh they bought i guess the producers bought the rights to this book bought the movie rights before the book was even published like it wasn't even widely published yet i guess they got like some advanced copy of it or something like shit this is awesome so they decided to get the movie rights and then they kind of helped the sales of the book, too. Um, because this book was only published, like, give or take about a year before the movie came out. The book was published in 1974, and then the movie comes out in June of 75. The, and the books ended up selling, like, some 20-something million copies or something goofy like that. So it was wildly popular. And then, you know, I guess they were able to sell the fact that, yeah, if you like that book, the movie's coming, you know. So it all worked in concert together, you know, to get it to where it became. But, uh... I just I just found that uh, hilarious that uh, you know that they they were basically yeah we're making this thing before this book was even like a thing that people most people had read probably not too many movies that have done that really I mean not too many book movie combinations where I mean okay yeah there's sequels to books that they already know they're gonna probably buy the rights to before the book comes out there's probably not too many novels that have had not been released yet that they said okay let's go ahead and make the movie out of it in short term when the book was released yeah and uh, the other thing too is like they lined Spielberg up to do this movie to, to direct the movie. And uh, I think he was like he was in to do it and everything, and then I guess as he got into the process, he wanted to back out and wanted somebody else to do it because uh, what I read is I think the quote was he didn't want to become the truck and shark guy, you know, because at that point all he had really made was duel and maybe one or two other things or something, and then this, you know, so like, <laughs> and then I guess eventually they talked him, obviously talked him into it, and the rest is history. But uh, well, there was actually a famous person that talked him into it. The famous person was Robert Duvall. Really. And I guess to, to thank him, uh, from what I from what I read, he offered the the um, the character Quint to him, or maybe it was Hooper. I forget which one. 
and uh, Duvall makes, turned it down. Quint makes more sense, you yeah. know, for Robert Duvall, who he is as an actor. Yeah, because I, I think the comment was uh, he was he was too young to play him. I think it's what it was. But he he wasn't as old as say Robert Shaw was. You know, I I wouldn't think at the time. You know, the the dude that eventually played Quint. So it's probably Quint, not Hooper. So to that, uh, it also stars Robert Shaw as Quint. Probably the most memorable, other than maybe Chief Brody, the most memorable character from the movie. Not not to take anything away from Richard Dreyfuss as uh, Hooper, but Quint's the one that where you get a lot of the quotes and stuff from the movie. You know, and, and uh, uh, some of the other things that you laugh about. You know, when you think about the movie. And I'm sure this is where a lot of the uh, Carl Gottlieb influence on the script had to come in. Like I said, Carl Gottlieb was more of a comedy guy. So you can probably see that as you're watching this movie, you know, like a lot of the kind of funny lines and, and, and stuff that Quint does. And, you know, and Hooper, too, you know, they kind of work well together. All, all three of them do, you know, the three main characters. But you can definitely see, you know, like he probably added that comedy element in that Peter Benchley probably wouldn't have known much about. Right. You know, he, he comes in to kind of punch it up and make it a little bit more entertaining. And it's kind of what Spielberg is known for now. Right. Kind of finding that right mix of action and suspense and comedy. You know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this would be the once again, this would be the main thing that you would remember Robert Shaw from. He was in a IMDb list him uh, known known for Jaws, a movie called A Man for All Seasons, The Sting, and From Wash, From Russia with Love. That's a, a James Bond movie from 1963. He's got uh, 65 acting credits on IMDb, but uh, unfortunately, he passed away not too awfully long after uh, Jaws came out. Uh, he passed in August of 1978 at the age of 51. He definitely doesn't look like it in the movie, but he would have been like in his <laughs> mid to late 40s when <laughs> when he's making this. But uh, he looks a little bit older to me, you know, personally. But. Well, I think a big part of that was uh, apparently like on set, he was a he was a heavy drinker to the point where uh, they had they had hired like a like a grip or somebody just to follow him around. And try to keep him out of drinking and when he didn't have uh stuff to do on set the way he got around that was he would take the person that was supposed to watch him drinking because he didn't like to drink alone yeah <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately that led to his death a few years later because he died of a heart attack <laughs> that was probably uh in part due to his him being an alcoholic so unfortunately he didn't last much longer after that Funny thing is, though, it's like uh, he's English. Like he was actually he was born in England, you know, in the UK. So like it's uh, you wouldn't think it from watching this, right? You know, but yeah. Oh, and I think one other thing about him is, uh, I believe I believe I did read this was uh, uh, he was fighting or he was trying to avoid the IRS during this. So if if I read it correctly, he didn't actually make any money off of Jaws. Everything was was taken by the IRS. And then I think to try to avoid going to jail during all this, I guess there's some kind of loophole where if you spend so much time in America, like they can they can go after you, I guess, a little bit more aggressively. Mm-hmm. So on days that he wasn't on set, uh, they were they were sending him to uh, Canada just to help him avoid the jail, so they can get this movie done. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and I know also while he was on set too, I guess while we're on Robert Shaw was uh, you know, because they shot the movie in Martha's Vineyard. And I guess where they were staying, it was him. I think him and his wife and uh, one of their people that, I guess, uh, what you call it, like a assistant or something, a handler that came down with them. Handler. <laughs> they were the place they were staying at. They they got I guess the first night they were there, I believe they got shot at. I mean, not, not necessarily that they got shot at, but the house they were staying in, gunshots erupted outside into the house, and came came to find out that it was uh, just some locals who thought the place was empty. They were just I guess drunk and shooting into the place, <laughs> as one does. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they but shot nobody got hit. <laughs> they shot this movie like you said in Martha's Vineyard and that kind of in that general area, but I think a lot of the uh 
the great white video that they got where uh, they shot that in Australia, like uh, in the in, in something called the Dangerous Reef. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where all those great white sharks are known to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I'm I'm sure this the entire country of Australia should be called the Dangerous Reef, but uh, I digress. <laughs> I have been there once when I was in the Navy. Really? Yeah. So arguably, probably the most single successful actor in this movie is Richard Dreyfuss, right? Any of the rest of these probably saw the level of success that he did, um, the guy that played Hooper in this movie, yeah. um, which he's still active today, although you don't see him as much as... It doesn't seem like you see him as much as you used to in movies and, and whatnot, but he's still active today. But he would be mostly known for, like, listed on IMDb here, uh, Jaws, The Goodbye Girl... Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, that's probably, besides Jaws, maybe, that's probably the one that I always think of when I think of Richard Dreyfuss. He was also in American Graffiti. And, of course, he was in Piranha 3D back uh, about 10 years ago. So <laughs> we can't forget that. But, uh, yeah, he, he's been uh, in TVs and movies since 1964. Wow. So he's had a hell of a career, over 123 acting credits. He was even in a, uh, an episode of Bewitched back in 1966. So this dude's, <laughs> this dude's done a little bit of everything. The only thing I don't see here is the love boat. So is he really an actor? That's the question. I don't know. If he's not in love boat, I don't know. It's kind of yeah. hard to gauge. But, but then again, he comes from a slightly older generation, and he was in an episode of Gunsmoke, so there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. What about Bob? Yeah, there's another <laughs> personal favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like the narrator or whatever in uh, Stand By Me. Remember another uh, Stephen King? Yeah. Yep. Uh, which I don't think you see him. Maybe you see him at the end or something like that, I think. If yeah, I, recall, I don't know if you see him as Richard Dreyfuss, though. I think you just see an yep. adult person, but I don't know if you even see his face, do you? Yeah, maybe. I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched it, but... Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's the guy that like narrates the entire movie. During the movie, apparently Shaw and Dreyfus, it sounds like damn near hated each other. <laughs> well, they played. You know, they played. It, kind of, they, it shows up pretty well in the. In the I was the about movies. to say, yeah, they used it to their advantage. I mean, uh, uh, kudos to them for uh, you know the good acting chops of using that genuine hatred. Apparently, for <laughs> they have good chemistry. Yeah, I think apparently it, it kind of still all goes back to Shaw's drinking. Like apparently Shaw was like one of the nicest men on earth when he wasn't drunk. Well, unfortunately, that's like a lot of people you know in life. You know, <laughs> yeah. drinking usually doesn't make you a nice guy. By and large, it doesn't. You know, every once in a while, I guess there's, there's there are some people like, hey, you know, he's a better dude when he's drunk. You know, but it's very rare. <laughs> this also stars Lorraine Gary. As Ellen Brody, uh, Chief Brody's wife, you would really mostly know her from the Jaws movies. She was in Jaws 2 and in uh, Jaws the Revenge. And then, uh, and on IMDb, she's known for Jaws 1, 2, and 4. And, <laughs> and, the, movie, <laughs> and, and the movie 1941. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, but as far as like on IMDb acting credits, the last movie she was credited for, Jaws the Revenge. So I, I don't know if something happened to her or she just said... You know what? That movie was horrible. I'm done. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jaws 4 in 1987 was the last thing she was uh, ever in. Uh, she's still alive. She just, I guess, she just uh, moved on to other things. I'm not dead sure of her story, but probably one of only the other ones that you'd really want to mention here would be Murray Hamilton, who plays the mayor, Mayor Vaughn. You know, the the walking joke for the rest of eternity. Like <laughs> whenever some politician doesn't want to do something that everyone clearly says that they should do. They always compare that politician to the mayor from Jaws. So <laughs> so he's kind of the punchline to jokes for forevermore. Well, say what you will, but wasn't he still the mayor in Jaws 2? I think so. It's been a while since I saw Jaws 2, but you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> so get out and vote, people. What is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I was about to say, what's the lesson here? What should we learn? I mean, <laughs> but uh, he is mostly known for, obviously, for this. I mean, this is the one. Uh, on IMDb is also known for The Graduate, Anatomy of a Murder, and 1941. So apparently him and uh, Lorraine Gary were in 1941 together. There must have been some... I have to go back and watch that movie. There might have been some... There must have been some Jaws joke or something in there that, I, that I'm forgetting. <laughs> he has 159 acting credits. He passed away in September of 1986 at the age of 63. All those acting credits, though, they go all the way back to 1944. So this dude had been around the biz for a while. Uh, and he was acting all the way up until his death. I mean, like, I mean, think about it. He, he was... He had 159 credits and he was 63 when he died. I mean, I mean, he if if you know if he'd have, if he'd have lived at the rate of his work, man, he'd probably have over 300, 400 credits by now. He'd probably still be doing it, you know, at the work rate this guy was at. As far as people starring in the movie, that's probably really the only ones you'd need to mention, right? I mean, like you know, you just got the Brody kids and a handful of others. So, and like I said, mm-hmm. Carl Gottlieb, who uh, was the other screen, you know, writer of the movie, he he actually had a small part. Uh, in this as well. He played Meadows, which I'm blanking on what that part is at the moment. I think it's just one of those dudes, like, you know, fussing about closing the beaches or something. I don't know. So was there any other, like, interesting little tidbits you guys Well, I know. Gottlieb wrote that book, too, I was talking about earlier. The one of, uh, sort of the behind-the-scenes stuff oh, okay. that happened on the set of Jaws. Uh-huh. He's the one that wrote that book. I can't think. I'm blanking on the name of the book right now. The lady that played Miss Kittner. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, like, years later, she uh, goes into a restaurant. There's something on the menu talking about, like, a Mrs. Kittner special, right? Mm-hmm. So she mentions to the person, like to the waiter, she was actually Mrs. Kittner in Jaws. And uh, the waiter, you know, kind of disappears after that. And next thing she knows, a grown man runs out from the kitchen. And it's Jeffrey Forties who played Alex Kittner. Oh. That was the guy that owned the, the restaurant. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Did she know that when she went in there or just? Uh, no, I don't think she did. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can obviously go on there and like listen to the one that we're talking about today, Jaws by Peter Benchley. Uh, it's narrated by Eric Steele, and uh, it's it's nine and a half hours long, so it's not an extremely long listen you know, as far as Audible books go, but uh, I'm sure you can get a different perspective because I, I believe there are a lot of differences between... Um, the novel and uh, what turned out in the movie here. And I know in the movie they kind of focused more in on the last part of the book than they did like the first part of the book. In the movie it's kind of like, it's almost like two movies in the sense of like, you got all the shit that leads up to them going out to find Jaws, right? So like, it's like almost Mm. an hour of this like lead up to them going out and then a little over an hour of them going out and hunting down, you know, the shark. So, um, but I think you get a little bit more of that setup in the book. So, if you want to check that out, you, uh, that's on Audible. And then, of course, there are other Peter Benchley books on there that you can uh, listen to, like The Deep, which was, once again, like we said, uh, a movie that was made into a movie. And there are other uh, uh, books that are uh, some way, like, you know, in some way connected to it, like, you know, maybe shark books, stuff like that. Like, there's a book called Thresher by Michael Cole. Another one called Shark Trouble, True Stories About Sharks in the Sea by Peter Benchley. And that's actually narrated by Peter Benchley, so that'd be kind of interesting to uh, listen to and other things like that. So, uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of Jaws and Peter Benchley, you know, and those type of things, you can find plenty of it there. So to download your free audio book today, go to audibletrial.com slash spook show. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spook show for your free audio book. It's time to refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand with a parade of items to tempt your taste. 
hot buttered popcorn, golden good and fresh from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich and full of flavor, ice cream and other good things to eat, plus ice cold Coca-Cola. So bright, so bracing, with a taste and tingle all its own. We need to talk about the the guy that did the uh, the score for the movie. Is this movie even the same without like at least that one part of the score? You know the dun 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 dun. So so who was this guy that this that no one ever heard of ever again? I think I think his name was John Williams. Yeah, who was that again? Any connection? Anything I might know? Maybe an unknown Star Wars movie or something. What? <laughs> and literally all of them since then, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for the most part. No, yeah, where the he funny pretty thing. much has credit for creating that theme, regardless of whoever you know does their own take on it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. Now, the one thing I did read was uh, when Williams uh, originally gave Spielberg the the music for when you start seeing the shark. Spielberg laughed. It's like, no, seriously. Uh, where's what song do you got? <laughs> <laughs> all right, John, quit fucking around. Now, where's the real music? <laughs> <laughs> I got places to and be. Then, and then since then, you know, like, you know, Spielberg's went back and it's like, look, if this movie probably wouldn't even be this movie if it wasn't for that song. So all the credit goes to him. And then he just goes on to do uh, Star Wars and Superman and and every other mostly successful American film of all time and is dubbed America's Composer. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, he even did the fucking uh, the intro for NBC Nightly News. If you want to go that deep, I mean, the guys had his hand in everything, man. Even the Ewoks battle for Indoor. No. Yeah, no, I'm not sure <laughs> really. Put his name in that one. <laughs> that one. You're gonna say that one, huh? All right. I don't know if y'all caught it, but in the uh, the Last Jedi, he actually had a uh, role in it. Didn't really pay attention. Uh-huh. Uh, they they go into uh, a bar. Uh, somewhere in the movie, and and he's the bartender. Yeah, I guess you have to get him in there somehow. You might as well do it on uh, what's probably the last of the Skywalker movies, at least for a while. So you gotta get him in, get him in there somehow, right? Yep. On IMDb, he has 414 credits under soundtrack mm-hmm. credits. But I think like Jaws was kind of like the 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 thing that kind of really put him on the map, though. I believe like that was kind of like I think like he was. He was well-known and was successful in his field. I don't think it really took off for him until Jaws. And then, of course, Star Wars and everything else. But mm. I think he even like said, like, you know, without Jaws, I'm not here doing any of the other things you know me for, you know, kind of thing. One of the best film composers of all time. And, you know, we might want to take a moment to mention, uh, uh, since that just happened recently, that the passing of uh, Ennio, Ennio Morricone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we don't have to take a deep dive there, but, I mean, like... Other than John Williams, he's probably one of the other guys, right? Like one of the most well-known. Yeah, yeah. I would if you, if you had to pick only two, it would probably be John Williams and Indio Morricone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, known <laughs> as for far just, as what just possible. about just about every spaghetti western ever made. This dude uh, did the music for it and other Not things. Not to mention the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, a shitload of uh, which you know movies that I know we'll get around to more of on the show. Uh, Giallo, the Italian Giallo genre. Yeah. Like Argento's, some of his first films. Even something uh, like, uh, what, The Untouchables? I think he did that. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of some of the ones that I remember off the top of my head without looking it up. Extremely successful. And, uh, he just passed away uh, back in early July. I think it was like right after July 4th at the age of 91. Clearly a long, successful career in life. Um, and he will, will never be forgotten, I won't think. 
for sure. But uh, we definitely lost one of the best right there when uh, when he passed away. So yeah, it's it's worth mentioning that you're talking about John Williams. We should definitely bring him up. Uh, and I would say one more thing that, that we probably need to talk about before we jump into the movie is this is kind of the original summer blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, and then do you know what date they were initially going to put this movie out? It wasn't for the summertime. Wasn't it around Christmas? Yeah, Christmas the prior year. It's supposed to be Christmas 1974, but due to all the setbacks during the shooting process, like the mechanical rig, you know, they had a lot of issues with the that put their shooting schedule behind. So it wasn't ready to go until summer of uh, 75. So. <laughs> it would have, I think that yeah, definitely had to have been released in the summertime. Can't really see it as anything else other than the summer movie. Which is even crazier if you think about the timeline, like I mentioned earlier, about this book being published and then the movie turned around like that. I mean, like that means oh, they, yeah. they had to have been in pre-production and ready to go on this thing before the movie. I mean, before the book even <laughs> was even in print, you know, at least widely published. So it's crazy. Yeah. I don't think we really need to go into the movie like blow by blow like we normally do. I mean, there, there's certain things you definitely want to uh, point out. Um, and of course, like that at the very beginning when um, that underwater shot and the music and everything like you're right in it right away right you know like oh yeah yeah um they wasted that very first shot with the buoy with yeah, the girl yeah yeah. And, yeah and just that whole scene you know eventually like, her going out and swimming and then uh you know she gets drug drug around and ragdolled out there even though you don't see her like you know it's not extremely gory or anything right but i mean he grabs a hold of her and like ragdolls the shit out of her before she goes down uh, another thing we got to mention about that scene really is you don't even see <laughs> whatever you want to call him the shark bruce the <laughs> jaws <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, you don't even see them in this first thing. You don't realize no, it's kind no. of like Texas Chainsaw, and that the things are happening, and you don't really see them. Your mind kind of puts it together, but it's, you don't see the shark during this initial scene. And it's not until later on, and actually an hour and twenty some odd minutes into the movie, when uh, Kittner, you know, the Kittner kid, <laughs> yeah, gets attacked. That's when you first actually see the shark. Yeah, you know, you're right. I didn't really think about how long it was into this movie before you actually see it, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about mood and, and music and everything up to that point. You know, yeah. like, oh shit, here's that music. I think it's amazing for the storyline that that you don't even think about that. You really, you don't. I mean, I had to see it in print myself to realize. Oh yeah, I guess it was an hour yeah. and a half, almost an hour and a half, an hour and twenty odd minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about that when you're watching it. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, the storyline is just so great as it's it's moving along that you don't realize that you don't see the shark until that long into. Well, yeah. apparently, uh, uh, a Spielberg when he originally you know like had plans with this. Uh, you were going to see the shark a whole lot more, and you know when when they had all the issues with the with, with uh, what is, I think they had three Bruces. Yeah, uh, and they, all, and they all weighed like a ton. Like yeah, yeah, and, a ton. and like, I think like the first one that they put into the water sank to the to the bottom of the ocean. And they had to have like divers go and get it out. Like since they had so many issues with with all these mechanical sharks, Spielberg had to figure out a way to do the story without showing the shark, which I think makes the movie. Yeah, it's more of a, a the yep. idea yeah. of it, right? Like, you know, instead of seeing the monster, it's the idea of the monster that, you know, initially scares the shit out of you. Like, and you even question, what are you seeing here? You know, like, you figure it's, you know, you know it's a shark, but it makes it more of a monster that you don't see it, you know, until later on, right? So you, mm, yep. you envision this damn thing as the size of a megalodon by the time you actually get to it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> also talking about the PG rating and everything. So the girl gets ragdolled, and then then you see her corpse on the beach, at least briefly, right? Mm. <laughs> and she's being like... The fingers eaten. sticking up out the sand. Yeah, and <laughs> she's being eaten by crabs or whatever the fuck. Like, good lord, yeah. you know? 
This is all in the first like that. Less I than remember 10 minutes. that image stuck with me as a kid, as a five year old. That's they didn't cut that out, and not that because it, I guess because it wasn't really gory. You just had the crabs and her her hand sticking up there. But yeah, as a kid, that was like that was just a creepy ass scene to me. Is it? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Your body on the beach getting <laughs> picked over by crabs. Especially at five years old. My God. Yeah. Now, not as uh, not quite as creepy as the later scene, which I'm we'll probably get to or talk about is you know the one underwater diving scene involving Hooper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was well done too. Like you know, I, I didn't yeah. look too much into the making of of that all that stuff there, but that uh, all that that stuff was really well done. But yeah, after that, you know, just the, the uh, immediately Brody wants to close the beach down. Like you see the corpse clearly. This is a shark attack. Let's close it down. And then the mayor's like, nope, no, nope, we're not closing this down because the town needs money. Now, apparently this is another one of those uh, things they kind of explain a little deeper in the novel. The reasons why this town needs money so bad. Apparently, like, you know, this town is like on the verge of bankruptcy. Like, this town's going under. So they, it, it, that's why, I guess they paint the mayor's... The tourist uh, trade for July 4th, basically. Yeah, like, it, to keep them it, it shows better the desperation of why this town would need the money because they make, like, all their annual money, you know, in the summer. And specifically, like, July 4th. In the movie, you're kind of like, man, this dude's an asshole. He's just a greedy fucker, you know. But in the book, you understand it a little more. And then you get the uh, the actual shark attack, of course, right after this. He's like, no, we're not closing the uh, we're not closing the beach down. And then the uh, shark attacks the boy who's on the float. And that's uh, Mrs. Kentner, right? Or the Kentner yeah. kid. That's when that happens, right? Yeah. And this is where the yeah, first... Yeah, that, that scene is pretty brutal, too. You know, that's yeah. the first scene where you see the actual blood from a shark attack. And as a kid, you know, which makes it even more... Messed up, yeah. That you, you know, he gets taken under with a raft, and there's a geyser of water and blood. Yeah. Up. <laughs> PG, remember that, folks. PG. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember as a kid how much of that was shown. I don't seem to remember the blood so much as, you know, him coming up and then the raft, and then boom. I, I don't know for sure. I, just, I don't remember the blood as a kid, as a five-year-old watching it that first time on network TV. But then, of course, now like now that there's mass chaos or whatever, and then people have seen that this happens, the mayor kind of agrees to let him close the beach down, but he only, he only is going to say this is for 24 hours. Then uh, this is the famous Quint scratching, scratches the chalkboard scene. Yes. You know? <laughs> His intro to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you a shark for $10,000. <laughs> You all know me. Yeah. You know what I do for a living? I swim with bow-legged women. Uh, <laughs> Definitely, that's my favorite character in the movie. And that's not to, not to diss on uh, Dreyfus or Schneider or anything, but I mean, I, I, that's uh, Quint's always been my favorite, even, uh, even oh, yeah, when I was yeah. a kid watching that first time around. He's the most entertaining of the of the three main characters. But I still yeah. say though that oh, like yeah. the chemistry between Brody, Hooper, and Quint really makes this movie. Those oh, characters yeah, yeah. and the yeah, act, and yeah. the acting job that they did. I mean, like. The whole back half of the movie with them on the boat, that just really good yes, chemistry. Yeah. They all work together. That's really what makes this movie as good as it is. I mean, like, you get three yeah. other guys to do this, and it's probably not half as good as it turned out. Oh, yeah, and, and you can see that in uh, any number of the... Now, even though I like these Italian ripoff movies for the entertainment value, you can see it in any number of those Jaws ripoff movies that came about. <laughs> if you don't have that chemistry, then it's not going to go anywhere, no matter how much shark gore you have or whatever. <laughs> Which reminds me, I'm sure there's got to be some Turkish ripoff somewhere that we got to get our hands on, right? Like, I think they were notorious <laughs> well, for that. Definitely back in... those Italian ones. Uh, what was it? Uh, that was a Spanish one too, called. Uh, I know it is the Spanish title, Tintorera. <laughs> I can't remember what the, there, what the English title of that was, but it was uh, Rene Cardona Jr. I think was the director of that one. And he's directed some all kinds of exploitation movies in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. 
that was fairly entertaining as it was, but I mean, it doesn't shine light. Jaws, of course, and some Italian one. Uh, I can't. It's the, I'm blanking on the name right now too. On that, one. I think it was called the last, the last Jaws or the Cruel Jaws or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw that when I was looking up the. Uh, I think it was Carl Gottlieb had some uh, involvement in that. Maybe it was just the connection to. Oh, did he? <laughs> maybe it could have just been the connection to the fact that you know he was. Uh, he wrote the first one, so like you know, you kind of have to give him credit, you know, blah blah blah, mm. that kind of thing, you know, like characters inspired by so and so, right? But I did oh, see yeah, that. I think it was yeah. called Cruel Jaws. Yep, <laughs> it came out sometime in yeah, the nineties. Cool yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining, but yeah, there's no if you don't have that chemistry with actors, then you're not going to have that type of drama that you have in draw. So yeah, I mean, he definitely, you know, especially you know, you, you the first half of the movie is setting that up, right? But then once you get there, like you really care <laughs> about these characters too, even Quint. Even oh, though yeah. he's like a drunk asshole, yeah. you still care about the character. You don't want to see anything happen to him. But you know, deep down as you're watching this, like, shit, you know. And I'm not even talking about the fact that I've seen this movie a dozen times. I'm just saying, like, even the first time you sit down and watch this, you know somebody's going to die, right? You, know? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know one of these dudes is going down. So it's just shit, you know. You, you care about yeah, all I mean, three. They do you don't so want well to see it. those jobs that even after seeing it for the umpteenth time, you still feel that, you know. Yeah, you, <laughs> you still, still hope that, that like, like dread coming up when yeah. Quint gets killed. You still hope that somehow they uh, manage to uh, kill the shark before Quint slides down his yeah. throat. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, after you're introduced to Quint here, uh, this is where you see there's a funny little scene where like uh, Brody comes up, like my, his son Michael's got a, a boat. He he walks over and like get out of the boat or whatever, and then he hands the book that he's looking at about sharks to his wife, and then she looks down and sees the pictures of like a shark attacking a boat, and then she's like. Hey, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Get out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got the whole thing where these fishermen, like, they put like a pot roast in the water, and, and they tie it to a dock, <laughs> and then the sh and then uh, the shark pulls the damn dock off. <laughs> I always remember that one. Uh, uh, that that for whatever reason that scene stuck out in my mind when I watched it earlier. Yeah, you know, like you know, in my when yeah, I was little, you know, when you were young. <laughs> then of course after this is a like like ever now that there's like a bounty on the shark. There's a bunch of, like, you know, wannabe shark hunters going out. Uh, and this is where you're introduced to Hooper. And he comes in and he exa he examines the remains of the first girl, you know, at the beginning. And then you quickly he quickly is like, no, this ain't no damn boat accident. Because earlier in the movie, they're trying to, like, uh, the, the coroner or the medical examiner, whoever that was, mm -hmm. tried to say, like, uh, at first he said it was a shark attack. And then I guess when the mayor got to him, he's like, oh, no, it was a boating accident. And they changed it or whatever. <laughs> so Hooper comes in and examines this and says, no, this ain't no boat accident, buddy. This was a shark attack. So then eventually the, the group of wannabe guys, they come in and actually have caught a shark. Like it turns out to be like what, a tiger shark or something like that, right? It's a different kind of shark. Yeah. And it's not the one, obviously. Um, but they all like, yeah, well, everything's cool. You know, we caught a shark. No, no. He wants to open it up to prove it. Sure enough, eventually they, they go cut it open and they prove like, yeah, well, here's what's inside. And all they find is like a Louisiana license plate. Or something some, <laughs> and some fish and some fish, some fish yeah. <laughs> i think like an old can of, an old can of soup or something falls out <laughs> by the way that shark was flown in uh, apparently like from like florida or something like that because all the yeah. sharks that were around there were all like you know like smaller sharks all Small, right yeah <laughs> uh but by the time that they actually got to put it on air the shark was already starting to decompose. So as it's hanging upside down and everybody's taking pictures of it, it smells God awful. And all the guts <laughs> have made its way to like the throat of the, of the shark. Oh, so like, like it smelled disgusting. Apparently. <laughs> all right, everybody. Cheese. <laughs> we did it. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and also what, right in the middle of this celebration, like, Hey, we've caught the shark and everybody's kind of happy, but like, you know, of course, Brody and Hooper are like, no, you know, 
this isn't the one. The uh, the Kentner boy's mom, Mrs. Kentner, comes up and then she just slaps Brody. Like you knew. <laughs> you knew there was a shark out there and this girl that got killed and you still didn't do anything to stop it. Like I would have I would have told her right there, look, you need to look at this motherfucker over here. I tried to close I know the beach. This guy's standing right here to my <laughs> yeah. left. <laughs> hey, Brody's a better man than I am, I guess. I'm not taking well, the heat for that thing, one. Here's another thing with that scene. Apparently the lady that played Miss Kittner, mm-hmm. she couldn't do a fake slap. <laughs> so apparently it took 17 slaps to, to get that one. So they brought in Stanley Kubrick to do this one scene, and they took 172 takes to <laughs> to get the slap just right, and then he left and went to fake the moon landing again. So then they decide to take out, like, uh, Hooper's boat, and they go to, like, to the feeding grounds or whatever, uh, and they find a damaged boat out there. Then Hooper dives under the water because he wants to look at, like, the hull of the boat because it's not, it's not sinking. It's just kind of a dead-in-the-water boat. He goes under there and like there's a hole in the side of the boat and there's a, a, a huge uh, shark's tooth stuck in the hole. And then as like this is that like that one big jump scare of the movie, right? Like as he's standing there like looking at the hole and examining the tooth, all of a sudden like a, a corpse floats up and it like it screams like ah! you know like ooh <laughs> underwater scream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a ah! and and then he screams, you know. But like it's probably one of the most effective jump scares of the whole movie, really. Yeah. Yeah, and and something I read about that was that that scene apparently wasn't in like the uh, the, the original preview for the movie, and that you know they were so far over budget. Uh, Spielberg went to the uh, the production company funding, yeah, yeah, and asked them for three thousand dollars to go shoot this scene, and they said no. So he took three thousand dollars of his own money and went and shot that scene. <laughs> well, money well spent. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty, it's, like I said, it's a really effective jump scare. And also, like, you know, when you really, like, stop and look at the corpse for a second there, how, like, one of its eyes are all fucked up looking. And and even even the guy right there, like, the, the, the corpse said, that is the guy that uh, helped uh, uh, Shaw. That's kind of like the guy that his, his character is based off of as far as, like, the way that he acts and, and carries himself. It was apparently some random fisherman, uh, like, right on the docks that hated that the, the crew was there and then, you know, I guess got to know them and helped them with the uh, with the movie. Huh. So then, of course, now they're like, all right, Mayor, you got to close this shit down. Like, and he's still refusing to do it. Uh, and then it's pretty funny, like, why they're talking to him. Like, some vandals have painted, like, the Welcome to Amity Island sign. They painted, like, a shark <laughs> fin on there. Shark <laughs> fin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and meanwhile, he's like he's more pissed that they vandalized the sign than uh, he is concerned about ha- uh, actually closing the beach down. So, so then, of course, right after this, thousands of or hundreds at least, but thousands of tourists just start pouring into Amity, like the ferries bringing them in. You know, like you just see all these people uh, <laughs> and like flocking to the beaches and everything. So you're like, oh god, here we go. And there's and you know and they make it a point to show everybody like jumping in the water and swimming and splashing because. They point out that, like, the splashing and stuff draws the shark in and all that. So, you know, they really go overboard here in this scene to kind of, like, show you, like, you know, these people are fucked. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> They're all coming to the feeding grounds. And then, of course, like, you know, you got a busy beach and then some, somebody else shark and everybody freaks out and runs. And then as it turns out, like we pointed out earlier, this is uh, where it's, it turns out as some kids. Uh, they got, like, a little cardboard fin cut out and, like, they're uh, the, with the scuba gear and they're underwater just like acting like a shark <laughs> and then when they come up like uh they got like eight coast guard guns trained at them like <laughs> <laughs> so then like right after that is when like because so, everybody's kind of like crying wolf now you know like everybody's seeing a shark and it's not really a shark and then eventually a girl yells shark and she sees it like in this little pond over on the side and it just so happens to be where michael and his friends are on their little boat so then like this other guy comes up to them on the boat 
you know, as they're talking, like they're, they're, the kids are kind of, the boys are kind of goofing around on the boat, and this other guy comes up in his little canoe and says something to them, and then both the canoe and their boat flip over. The shark is like coming, flipped it over, and then that other guy gets attacked. Like I don't think you actually see him like get full on attacked. Like, well, I mean, I guess you do. You see him get attacked, and then like, but you don't see. I, I guess you just kind of assume that he gets killed, right? Because then you see like his leg, like above the knee, just float to the bottom of the ocean, or you know, to the bottom of the uh, water there. And uh, but you, I don't think you, I don't know if they actually ever say like this guy got killed or not. Do you? Yeah, as I don't far, remember as the, far as the body count. Like, anything else coming out of it? Yeah, I, I don't remember them saying <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, it. remember it's just like at, at that point you just focus on the fact that their son Michael is like, he's he's, he's alive. Got, he's, yeah, he's alive. He survives <laughs> it, but like he's in shock, right? But I yeah. don't know if they ever said, like, yeah, by the way, old Frankie, he died, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember them getting back yeah. to him at all, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, if Ariel could have survived, hell, you know, I mean, yeah. in an actual shark attack. I mean, this is Jaws, of course, talking about here. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just because he got his uh, leg gnawed off doesn't mean he's still, you know, yeah. <laughs> that he died. But I guess you assume that he probably did. Yeah. But, yeah, this is where you see, like, the dudes, like, uh, and, and it's a really cool, it's a really good special effect, too. Like, it's like, uh, it's a real-looking leg with, like, hair on his yeah, leg and everything it. and the shoe and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a good job with that. It's probably the fact too that the water maybe hides any of the latexiness yeah, or yeah, whatever you want to call it. The of it, you know, yeah. it is a perfectly shot scene. <laughs> so now, finally, the mayor has agreed to pay. You know, like uh, uh, Brody wants to pay Quint to go get this uh, shark, and the mayor finally agrees. This is where you get like when they go to Quint and like say, "All right, we're going to pay you the money," and they hire him. This is where he says, "Here's the swimming with bow-legged women." You know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, because that's when he's got his own brew, right? That he gives, uh, that he gives to Brody. Yeah, yeah. He and Brody gives... takes a little small swig of it, and then Quint comes down the stairs to do something, and he like tosses, spits it out real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he tells Hooper, "Don't drink that." <laughs> yeah. So then they kind of uh, they let he let Quint doesn't want Hooper to come at first, but you know, and he keeps kind of poking fun at him, like. You know, you're not a real working man. You know, you don't know what the hell. You know, you, you educated college boy. You don't know what you're doing kind of thing. But he agrees to let him come. Uh, so then this is when they set sail on the Orca. So, that, like like I said, it's almost like the tale of two movies in a way. Like, everything that happened before this, and now this is the, the tipping point to to the end now, right? Like, this is the almost even split. Yeah. And that's the name of uh, Quint's boat, the Orca. The Orca, which, yeah, I guess it's due time to talk about that, too, right? Orca being a, a killer whale. And then there was a Orca movie that came out what a few years after this about a killer whale killer uh, a killer killer whale i don't know if y'all ever seen that one you know it seems like i've heard of it but i don't think i've ever actually seen it yeah it was always pretty decent actually i mean it's not you know it's not gonna hold a candle to jaws as far as the acting and the abilities and everything and the script and everything but it was a decent it's a good movie i definitely recommend it but yeah it's, i don't know if the or if the orca movie you know decided to call it that because of the name on the boat in jaws mm. and i mean it's a one word title like jaws so <laughs> Every time I see that, though, that the, the name of the boat in Jaws now, it reminds me of that. I'm sure everything that came after Jaws, even in some small way, that has anything to do with fish in the water or, you know, yeah. big killer whales or <laughs> sharks or anything is naturally going to have some connection in some way to Jaws, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, so, like, once they're on the boat, they make it a point to point out that these oxygen tanks that uh, Hooper has brought on board are explosive, right? <laughs> Brody knocks them over, and then they point out, like, hey, man, these things could have went off, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah foreshadowing and there's there's that little bit of, of that, that i don't know what you want to call it chemistry thing or different like whenever he undoes the wrong knot you know and like uh who's a hooper goes it kind of <laughs> reprimands brody for now nah, you pulled it you pulled the wrong one yeah and you, you know these things are compressed air they can go off and oh, explode and and then uh quint gives hooper a hard time because yeah you bring this high-priced expensive love and then as soon as uh hooper walks out of shot 
he talks to him. Next time, uh, Chief, let me know which one, you know, before you, yeah. I, I'll tell you which one to pull, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of... <laughs> it's another one of those little Quint versus Hooper fuck you, you know, moments. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're constantly kind of uh, barbing each other back and forth. So right after this is when uh, Quint hooks something on his line. Like, he, you know, he's got his line cast, and he hooks something and kind of settles in. And uh, eventually, like, uh, you know, as he's trying to reel it in, the line breaks. So then w- right after this, there's the the scene, the famous scene where, like, bro- they're making Brody throw the chum out. And he's kind of mumbling yeah. to himself. He's like, man, you need to throw the <laughs> yeah. fucking chum out shit. And, like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he looks to it, and then the, the, uh, the shark jumps out of the water <laughs> and then goes back yeah. down. Then he just kind of... And he's the only one that sees it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't scream, doesn't make a fucking noise. He just slowly backs yeah. up. And then, and then he says the famous line... You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> By the way, that line, ad-libbed. Yeah, it was, was it? it's perfect. And, yeah. and it's, it's got to be literally the famous line, the most famous line from this movie, right? Outside of maybe, uh, smile, you son of a, you know, boom, you know. Other than that, yeah. it's got to be, you're going to need a bigger boat. It probably is the most famous line from the movie. Yeah. So then right after that, they kind of prep, they get all their shit together. It's like the Rambo montage scene of the <laughs> Of them, like, getting the gun and, you know, getting all their shit together. Like, all right, fine, we're going to catch this fucker now. You know, we know he's here. Then, of course, like, Quint's going in there to get it, like, his harpoon gun or whatever. And then uh, Brody's wife, Ellen, calls on the radio. And he's like, everything's good. Talk to you later. And then hangs up on her, basically. Yep. And doesn't let the chief talk to her. And, and, and of course, doesn't say that she was on the uh, on the line. So then Quint shoots it with his harpoon gun. And, like, st- like they've got it, like, tied to one of these little barrels. I don't know exactly the term for it all, right? He, like, shoots it with the, the harpoon gun. And it sticks into its back, and it's got like this big yellow barrel tied to it. So I guess you know. They yeah, that's it... filled with air. This hollow it's filled with air, so that when it goes under, it's supposed to keep it from or make it surface. Yeah. Or keep it from going under for too long, so they can track it. Yeah. So they kind of keep out. an eye on it, right? <laughs> so they know where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they shoot yeah. it with this, and of course, it goes right under, and they can't see the barrel. So then that night is where they the kind of a long scene where like they're 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 uh, drinking, and they, you know they've ate they've ate dinner and they're drinking. And then they start sharing like scars. Like Hooper's like, oh yeah, yeah I got this this scar here from a, a from a stingray. Oh yeah, I got this scar here from a shark. And then like uh, Brody looks down, and like, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> like I don't really have anything. <laughs> and it all starts from like and then he's got he like a little cut. The, the, what's that thing on your arm? You know, and he says that. Uh, oh, sorry, I got a tattoo removed. Yeah. Right. And then what was it? Then uh, Hooper says something about. Oh, what was it? Did it say mother? And then you know they're all drunken, so he like busts out in the drunken laughter. Yeah. You know, like joking about that was it a mother tattoo that you got removed? <laughs> and, then and then he goes into Quint's the story about laughing. USS Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a true story, right? Like that's not just yeah, made, yeah, yeah. That's not just yeah, made, no, that, made up for Jaws. That's a, an actual story of something that happened. I don't know how much of it was. I don't. You know how much they added to the Jaws. You know about the sharks. I mean, might have been added a little bit as far as it, you know to make it more dramatic in relation to the mo- to the jaw to the movie you know and then the shark they're tracking and whatnot as far now, as how, how many were killed by sharks and everything now what, what i was reading uh about this scene in, in particular when it, when he's going through the speech apparently robert shaw like sat down and like wrote out this speech right but when it comes time for them to be doing this scene you know he, they've been sitting back and you know i guess people today would do fake drinking <laughs> <laughs> Not That's not, <laughs> but not but not the raging alcoholic no he's <laughs> he's a true actor <laughs> so like you know during all these takes he's sitting there you know taking a sip taking a sip next thing you know he's drunk he can't remember the lines to this thing that he wrote <laughs> so they, they do the scene he's he's kind of you know like making his way through it but it sounds like crap the next day they come back uh he actually pulls uh uh uh, Spielberg to the side. It's just like, look, 
I apologize. I'm stone cold sober. Give me another shot to do this. So he goes in there and apparently I've heard conflicting reports on this part of it. Apparently he goes in there, does a one take and like knocks the whole thing out. The, the part that I've heard conflicting reports is on one take on, on one side, they say that the, the one take is the entire thing that they use. But then I, I saw something else saying that they went back and forth between the previous night when he was drunk and then the next day when he wasn't. So some of there's a possibility, at least, that some of what you see here is him actually drunk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right after that, the shark, like, so they're kind of sharing this and he's telling his story or whatever. And then the shark rams the side of the boat. Um, and then Quint just goes out there with like a rifle or something. Or I think, yeah, I think he just pulls out the rifle and starts shooting. You know, and then, like, Hooper's like, what the hell? That, you know that's not going to do anything, you know? <laughs> but then, like, you, then you kind of get... Did you notice, like, like right after this, like, you know, they kind of, like, go to their own spots of the boat, and then you see this wide exterior of the sky, and then you see a shooting star? A shooting star? Yeah. yeah. I never noticed that before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never noticed it on the old, on the non-high-def versions, of, I guess you'd say, of this, <laughs> on the VHS of the team or whatever on TV. Never noticed that shooting star unless it was added. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like so. that that's what I didn't see whether, you know, I, I guess I should have looked whether that was added or not, but like yeah. I, I'm guessing like maybe like they just had this cool shot and it just so happened that a shooting star came across and oh, they decided to star. use it. That'd be my guess. I mean, otherwise why go through the trouble yeah. of faking it, right? You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but maybe they did, who knows? I, you know, movies, you never know, but <laughs> still a pretty cool little shot, you know, where you see it going through. And, oh, yeah. and, it, and it almost looks like a little bit of slow mode just a tad too, you know, like Maybe yeah. this did happen, but they slowed it down just enough to where you Which like... probably you know. where you could actually perceive it on film. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. usually a shooting star is so fast. It's Any time I've ever seen a shooting star myself, it's like, did I just fucking see a shooting star? You know? Yeah, like, that's <laughs> yeah usually, you're not necessarily looking directly at it. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like, what the fuck was that? The thing. <laughs> I'm either going blind no, in one eye or uh, actually saw a shooting star. Yeah, and I read something saying that it was just a happy accident. It just okay, happened. Yeah. And then, like, uh, so, like, they're really kind of fucking around with this shark at this point, like, the next day. And, uh, you know, or I, I should say the shark is kind of fucking with them, right? Like, with the uh, <laughs> the barrel rope and everything. Like, they're pulling on the barrel rope, and then all of a sudden the shark jumps out and, like, uh, you know, tries to lunge at them. Then, uh, right after that, Brody goes to use the radio, and then Quint just comes in with a bat and just smashes the shit out of it. <laughs> so now you know Quint is gone, like, full-blown Moby Dick. Uh, he's going, yeah, yeah, they have yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going crazy. Like, you know, fuck, I'm going to kill this shark. And even though if it's going to kill us, you know, right. Then right after that, it comes back and like he goes out and he, he harpoons it with two more barrels. It's got two barrels on its back now, or no, I think three barrels, right? Three now. Yeah. 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 And there's like, no way it's going down with three barrels on its back. And then the fucker goes down like underneath the boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> This will never happen. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen this happen. So clearly, like, all the conventional wisdom that Quint has, like, this shark is saying, fuck you, right? You know, this whole time, basically. Unlike <laughs> any any shark, this is super shark now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, yeah, they tie the barrel, so it's because like, it keeps going under and whatnot. So they, they grab a hold of the barrels, and they decide to tie it, like, this is a grand idea. They tie it to the back <laughs> of the boat. <laughs> and then instantly, yeah. the fucking shark spins the boat. Like, you know, just takes, about just about submerges it that first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like almost boat. pulls it down and then like spins the boat and then it's like rocking the boat. Um, that that's I think that's when he actually shoots it with the third barrel. Um, and then and, and it goes under is somewhere around that time. But like, yeah, he's pulling he's pulling the boat down almost and like water splashing up and it's starting to flood the engine, you know, which is uh down below. Yeah. Then like uh, uh uh Quint goes in to get a machete like to cut the ropes and then eventually they, they just pop off anyways, right? The little mooring or whatever's on the back of the boat. It just pops mm -hmm. those things right off and then you know the shark is gone. 
Uh, and then that's when he actually goes under with the three barrels. Then Quint goes up and starts steering the boat, and he's pushing the engines. Like, I'm going to take him up the shore and drown him, is what he says, right? You know, he's trying to he's trying to force him into shallow water. Trying to tug it. <laughs> yeah, tug yeah. the thing into the shallow water. And uh, uh, he's pushing the engines hard. And, of course, what happens? He blows the fucking engines up. So now they're basically dead in the water. He At that point, he's gotten, Quint has no choice but to turn to Hooper. Like, well, you know, college boy, what do you got? You know? <laughs> So they decide to, like, Hooper had brought this shark cage on, so they decide to hook it all up, and they're going to, Hooper's going to go in the cage, and then they're going to, like, he's got, like, a poison tip, uh, what, it's not like a harpoon, is it a dart gun or something, a harpoon gun, I don't know, some kind of little. What, ones where you, like, physically, where you just stab, stab it with it? Yeah, like maybe. From inside the cage, right? With yeah, the, yeah, but it's, it's basically yeah. like a huge needle almost, but, you yeah. know, really fucking big. And they put, like, some poison in there, so he's basically just going to jab it with the poison and kill it. <laughs> and this goes about as successful as you would think it would. Uh, <laughs> the shark just uh, just fucking decimates the cage. Hooper is able to fight it off enough, like, he's stabbing it, and he fights it off enough to where, like, he can swim away and, like, hides, goes and hides behind a rock underwater. Meanwhile, like, the shark is still, like, attacking the cage, and it pulls the the whole like rig down and they managed to pull the the cage up and of course hooper is not in it so then that's when the shark like r pretty much right as they realize like hooper's like not in this cage you know they just obviously imagine he's dead he's been ate the shark jumps on the back of the boat and then the boat starts sinking then, then this is when quint basically slides right into this fucker's mouth you know like <laughs> he, brody can't hold on to him and he just slides right into the uh, shark he kind of kicks it and fights off for you know a, a few seconds there but it's inevitable, you know, it starts munching on him, and, like, it's a pretty, br it's definitely the most gory scene in the movie, right, as far as, right. you, you see him kind of slowly get eaten, and, like, blood coming out of his mouth and everything, like, uh, yeah. the shark tears his ass up, and like I said, like, th no matter how many times you see this, you're like, oh, man, this sucks, you need to, <laughs> Quint's an asshole, yeah. but he's our asshole, we don't want him to die like this. <laughs> <laughs> so then apparently like uh so it, it goes back down after it ate quint and then it and then uh brody goes and hides like in the inside cabin and then it busts into the, uh, the shark busts into the side of the boat and starts coming for him and he grabs one of the oxygen tanks and sticks it in his mouth and then the shark kind of goes back in the water and swims off he climbs up to the uh you know to the the steer uh, uh you know, where, <laughs> yeah well and not at first remember he climbs up to where they start they steered the boat up the top and oh, yeah, and, yeah. The, and the rifle uh, conveniently, is still right where they fucking left it, right? <laughs> Even the boat has been rocking and going all over the place and almost <laughs> sank. That rifle is still right in its spot. And he grabs the rifle, and then he climbs up to the top of the crow's nest. He busts off a couple shots with the uh, with the rifle and misses, and then that's when he says, Smile, you son of a... And then shoots it right in the oxygen tank, and it fucking explodes. A grand explosion. I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't flames and fireworks shooting off from the from the shark's ass. When this thing, <laughs> when this thing explodes, <laughs> and of course we have dead shark now. Uh, then right on cue, Hooper comes back up, and then uh, they kind of laugh it off. Like, is, is Quint is, did Quint make it? No, nope, no, nope, he's dead. And then they're, they're, but they're still cracking, you know, jokes and laughing to themselves because they've survived, right? Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Quint. But hey, hey, we're still in it. So they basically just get on a couple of barrels that are still floating there, and uh, they float back home. And then like one of the last lines, it says. Brody says, I used to hate the water. And then uh, Hooper says, I can't imagine why. And then <laughs> and then the credits. And, and then, like, behind the credits, uh, you actually still see them, like, coming up the shore. And I think if you, like, you know, the credits aren't very long. Like, this is the magic of an older movie where the credits weren't ten minutes long. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the credits are only, like, a minute and a half long, something like that. And uh, if you watch it all the way to the very end, you can see them, like, they're swimming in. And then they finally stand up and kind of, like, 
you know, briefly like, hey, you know, we, we made it. And then, you know, they just kind of walk and then the end, you know, goes to black. So there you have and the it. other shark comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Meg from. Uh, if you or, stayed out to the end of the credits, the last thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> then the Meg from the Meg. Yeah. <laughs> the Megalodon from the Meg. This jumps time out. it's personal. <laughs> and then turns around and says, Jaws 2. And then it. Um, Electric Boogaloo coming this summer, <laughs> next summer. <laughs> so there you have it. There's uh, one of the most uh, classic, iconic films of all time, you know, horror, thriller, or otherwise. One of the most successful, iconic movies ever made uh, from 1975, Jaws, by Steven Spielberg. Uh, now, one thing I, I want to throw in was uh, that whole cage scene, right? Uh, apparently in the book, that's where Hooper dies. Uh, like, he gets caught in there and the shark eats them, right? Uh, apparently they, they found out that, the uh, you know, like, all the sharks around where they're shooting this are way too small to be there, you know, to be Bruce, right? So what they end up doing is making a smaller cage and then hiring, like, former jockeys to go down into the, to the cage to, you know, give that perspective of, hey, here he is inside the cage. So the first time they drop the cage down in there, the shark attacks it, tears it to pieces. So none of the jockeys are going to get into it now. <laughs> uh, but the reason that they kept it in was because they got such good footage of the shark attacking the, the, the cage that they wanted to use that. So that's where they apparently they re, or rewrote Hooper surviving into, you know, to the end of the movie. Because that's how they explained him not being in the cage, I guess, because he got out while when right, being attacked. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just throw it in like he went and hid behind a rock over there, you know. This. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, when you're when you're caught up in the moment, you don't really think about it, right? You know, like, you see it. You see it happen. Like, he attacks, goes over, and hides behind the rock. But then, like, with all the other shit happening with Quint and then Brody up there, you forget that Hooper was down there hiding behind that rock, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely now, a clever little twist. I haven't read the book. I'm not sure how the book itself ends, but I do know, I do remember reading something where Peter Benchley was basically kicked off set. <laughs> Because he, he had a huge disagreement over the ending, the climax of the movie. Now, I don't know if it had to do with what we were just talking about with uh, Hooper in the cage and him surviving and that being totally different or just the way the movie itself ended. <laughs> I did see something about some of the differences between the movie and the book, and I don't remember all of them, but I do remember reading that, like, apparently there was a, a part in the book where Hooper slipped with Brody's wife. Oh. And obviously they completely canned all that element of it because, you know, they wanted Yeah, to, I guess it's not really needed, right? For yeah, the movie. yeah. And, I mean, and, to, and they to wanted to, this story. Yeah, and they, apparently they wanted to focus more on the camaraderie between, you know, Brody and Hooper and Quint, you know. Yeah, that they, would kind of kill that vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> apparently the one thing that, like, I guess the producers and Spielberg and a lot of them had in common is that they really enjoyed the back half of the book more than they did the front half. Uh. So they, they really wanted to focus on that part of it, you know, so everything kind of drove them to that, and then that's what you see. But, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, like we said, we could go on for hours on this movie. I mean, there's probably tons that we're leaving on the cutting room floor here, you know, that we're not talking about. And uh, um, if you have yeah. some other interesting things you want to point out, like I said earlier, just email us or, uh, you know, send us a DM or whatever on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, maybe we can mention them uh, before we do the next episode. We can just kind of talk about a few of the things we left out maybe because i'm sure there's tons of it so with that in mind will what's your star rating on this ah uh, man this is it's definitely one of my favorite movies of of all time i'm gonna i'm gonna give it about a four and three quarters i love it smoke yeah i think it's like way like we'd mentioned it's not just one of the whether you consider it a horror movie or not if you do i would say it's one of the best horror movies of all time but if you don't i would say it's just one of the great greatest overall films ever made can't really underplay the value of it uh, I'm going 
I'm going with Wills too. I'm going four and three quarter. I guess I'll go ahead and make it unanimous. Four and three quarters. I mean, like you could damn near go five stars with this. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you know there are a handful of movies that you know some would deem better, and, and now you're you're splitting hairs between you know uh, uh, opinion and taste and all that, right? But yeah, yeah I mean, this is right there, man. I mean, <laughs> one of the most successful movies and also one of the best movies ever made. So yeah, I, I think we'll make it unanimous and we'll go four and three quarters. And I only say that because there might be something out there that we might talk about eventually that might eventually get a five from me, but uh, that's going to be tough. You know, like that's like uh, what Godfather or uh, <laughs> that's <high laughs> sorry, that's high level shit. You know, to five or Emmanuel and yeah, uh, yes. America. <laughs> <laughs> Our sub uh, uh, podcast, the Emmanuel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's sitting at home like man these guys really like the emmanuel series <laughs> or somebody's like who the hell's emmanuel i guess i need to check this out yeah. like, what the? <laughs> maybe we're helping out the emmanuel franchise if you've never heard of it go check it out go find it in your local library <laughs> and then five minutes later you can go to sleep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes i give a three four tops i'm um, assuming you're watching the opening credits aren't you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there's some small children in the house or something. That's the reason it takes you that long, you sick bastard. So uh, what's the old gore score here for Jaws? Well, you know, like well, we discussed, like, break it down by scenes. It was the, you know, you had the first girl who's not really gory. She's just drug around like the rag doll, but you feel that, you feel that pain. And then you, you got the kid and her kid. Uh, the guys are blood, you know, and then, uh, and the girl, get, you have the guy who's, and the girl, don't that? forget, uh, before you move to the next one, the girl with the, uh, on the beat, you know, after that, her corpse, oh yeah, the aftermath her of her with corpse, the yeah. crabs. With the crabs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. And and you got the shark. You got the shark violence of them <laughs> cutting it open and throwing out. I mean, you don't see that, but you smell it. It's pal. The 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 odor is palpable in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're cutting it open, throwing out the fish, and the you see all the fluids all in the dock and all that stuff. And then you have the uh, the guy when they gets attacked and his leg falls to the bottom of the seabed right there or the riverbed whatever. Beyond that one, you got Hooper going diving down there in the body, the corpse jump scare, which was a little yeah, fairly gruesome. Might have missed one in there before you get to Quince. I'm not sure if I might might have missed another one in there, but definitely once you get up to Quince demise, that's probably the most brutal part of the film. Uh, I, hell, I would I would go with at least a hell. I don't know. I might would have to say a five on that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely a five, maybe a six or seven. I mean, in, in some regards, I mean, it's, there's some pretty gruesome parts in there. Although, you know, it's yeah. like like you said before, it's so spread out that it doesn't really yeah, hit yeah. you and as it's... hard. But yeah, we'll go with that. A five is a good number. Will, what's the what's the old uh, kill count in this one? Uh, if we're if we're just going by people, we got five people that died in this. Mm-hmm. But you could you could probably tack on two more if you want to add the uh, the shark that didn't kill anybody, and then Bruce at the end. <laughs> you mean add the shark into the kill count? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably about right, I guess. Uh, and that's counting the uh, the uh, the corpse that they find in the hole of the boat. Mm-hmm. All right. So there you have it. That's Jaws from 1975. So the next episode, we are going to be coming more current, and we're going to be watching The Nun from 2018. We're going to continue the uh, our journey through the Conjuring universe. So. Uh, we're coming down to the last few movies that have been released, yeah. I think. Next up is The Nun. So the IMDb synopsis for The Nun is a priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. 
And this is obviously uh, based on the character that I think you first saw in The Conjuring 2. So there you have it. That's, that'll be next up on the uh, Spook Show. So uh, I guess unless there's something else you guys want to add here, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and... Uh, We'll go ahead and call it a day. I'm good. That's it. Yep. So I'm going I know there's plenty that we left out, but there's just way too much that we could cover. And hell, I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a pretty good long time. Like we said, I mean, <laughs> you could keep going for, for days. Yeah. Just unless, I mean, uh, yeah. we could have a Jaws uh, uh, part two and not talk about the second <laughs> movie. Just uh, more yeah, information yeah. <laughs> on this one. To kind of change it up here, I guess, you know, as we uh, say goodbye to you today, I'm going to play the song that was number one on the billboard charts when jaws came out and it is called love will keep us together by the captain and Tennille. <laughs> i figured it was a good way to send us off into the sunset guys so uh yes so for will and the professor smoke i'm josh we are the all-american spook show podcast and we'll see you next time guys